Hello and welcome to episode 63 of The Brand Lounge, the place for unfiltered conversations on big topics for small businesses. I'm Tammy Heels, founder of Shadowcat Creative, where I'm a personal brand and marketing consultant, and I help independent business owners to define and grow their brand and business. And today I am joined by Julie Wright. Julie is an entrepreneur, speaker, sleep ambassador, and founder of We Sleep, alongside being the author of The Natural Sleeper, a bedside guide to complementary and alternative solutions for better sleep. Thank you so much for joining me today, Julie. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. And today, listeners, Julie and I are going to be delving into the world of sleep. I think generally as individuals, we're all quite aware of how we feel when we aren't getting enough sleep. And I know that I have had many a conversation with fellow business owners about sleep, whether it's due to it being broken because of a sudden onset of ideas or creativity at 3 a.m. or the day-to-day anxieties and worries that can follow us around. But I mean, how many of us really understand the significant impact that sleep can have on our bodies and minds, both positive and negative, on a deeper level, rather than just kind of biting it off with extra caffeine or maybe an ill-fated cat nap. So I'm hoping that today Julie can impart some wisdom and we'll be diving on in and hopefully be able to offer some suggestions and guidance to help with better sleep health. So Julie, I really like starting these episodes by taking it right the way back to basics. So could you just share why sleep is so important to us? Oh, I mean, to all of us. It started with me not being able to sleep very well. And that's, I think, when I understood the importance of sleep. What's interesting about sleep is that it's still a biological enigma for academics, scientists, and researchers. So sleep research and sleep medicine is relatively recent, you know, in the whole world of of sleep studies. Uh, But a lot is discovered more and more every day. And there are still aspects of it that remain mysterious, believe it or not. But we know that it takes control over us, that uh, generally around a 24-hour cycle, we will at some point fall unconscious um, and usually sleep for about uh, a third of our lives. So generally on average, seven to eight hours. It's uh, We know that it's really important for memorizing, for processing data, for mood regulation and emotions as well. It's also important for recovering, repairing, rejuvenating the body, the organs, uh, you know, and, and all of that. So it's, it's important for both physical and mental health. It also supports uh, several biological systems like the endocrine system, which is a hormone, a metabolic system, which generate basically manages our, our energy and, and also uh, our, our weight as a result, I guess, and how we're consuming. And um, it's very important also for our uh, psychological health, so mental health uh, in particular, but things like depression and anxiety might be affected by a poor night's sleep. And we'll all, we'll all know that, right? Like sort of naturally, you know that if you don't sleep sufficiently, you're quite grumpy or maybe feel down a little bit. Our immune system also is supported by a good night's sleep. So uh, we're more likely to catch a cold or uh, struggle fighting diseases and even vaccination might not be as efficient if we don't get enough sleep. So there are plenty, plenty reasons why it's important to prioritize the sleep. And yes, so, uh, I mean, I, you know, I could go on. I guess I didn't talk about things like cardiovascular diseases, some forms of cancer, diabetes. Um, and what's not quite clear is whether sleep 
causes these illnesses or if they're correlated. But either way, no matter how you look at it, with a good night's sleep, you're improving all of these aspects of physical and mental health. So yes, a mouthful, plenty of reasons why sleep well. <laughs> wow, I just... It's so, it always baffles me that something that we tend to spend a third of our life doing is obviously going to be important in some way. But when you hear kind of the sheer amount of systems and internal processes and everything that we have going on, literally that help keep us healthy, that are impacted by sleep. And I don't know about anyone out there that's listening, but sleep was something that it's only been in recent years that I've really started to look at prioritizing. And it's funny because we joke about sleep so often, like, oh, you know, I'm always exhausted or I had, you know, I had another rubbish night's sleep, but hey, we have coffee. And it's just, it's baffling that it has such an incredible impact on how we feel. And yet it's one of the first things that we'll just kind of push to the side. That is so true. Um, prioritizing is definitely the first starting point if you are trying to have good health. I think it's been um, overlooked, you know, that nutrition and fitness have been prioritized. It not, it's not even that long ago, but understanding how important it is for health. And now people are waking up uh, about sleep, but that's because one out of three people in the UK, in the US, and in most countries suffer from poor sleep, and as a result is, is feeling the consequences of it, both short-term and long-term. So the short-term is obviously the lack of energy and not being able to function properly. That's what you know immediately, but what you don't know is what the long-terms long-term impacts may have on your health. So um, also what's increased is the amount of sleeping pill prescriptions, you know, in most uh, industrialized nations, uh, it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. It's sort of growth from 100 to 300% more uh, prescription pill, pill prescriptions. Um, yes, so uh, it, it's really phenomenal and quite worrying because actually sleeping pills are not a long-term solution anyway. Um, doctors would typically prescribe perhaps for, you know, one, two weeks or perhaps a month at the most, you know, and it's, it's, it's just not something that you can carry on doing over and over, specifically because of all the side effects linked to sleeping pills, which are really negative and can even lead to addiction. If you are having to get to the point where you're using sleeping pills and you're committed to taking those every night I kind of feel like you want to look at the rest of your sleep health as well and try and find some other alternatives yes. that I guess it all feeds into that instant gratification cycle that we live in nowadays though isn't it I mean if we have a bad night's sleep it's because that we then recognize that as oh I'm lacking energy today but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to inspire us to look at our health and our sleep overall, it might just inspire us to have an early night that night. But I'd be curious to know your input as well, because I've heard that I've heard the phrase many times where it's like you can't catch up on bad sleep, like you can't make up for sleep that you miss. So is that is that the case? Does an early night after a broken night's sleep help? <laughs> So catching up on sleep, yes, that is uh, a question that comes up quite often, and there's a compromised answer to that, uh, in that 
you can't catch up on sleep if it is only a you know a few nights that you've missed out on the past maybe two or three nights but it's definitely not a long-term strategy and people who catch up on sleep at the weekend or nap during the day uh, may also impact their long-term sleep health so it's it you're right in the sense of you know you can't really catch up on sleep in the long term in the short term you can um, and but to be honest if you start making basically doing the math and working out how much sleep you need and over time you accumulate so many hours of sleep that you've missed out on um, you'll see that it's not practically possible to to catch up on sleep from a from a pure math point of view you know from a pure uh calculation point of view yeah that I suppose that's a really good point because otherwise you'd end up with it where it's like oh okay I just need to sleep for literally an entire week (laughs) exactly exactly so my other question following that would be um is it correct in thinking that different people require different amounts of sleep or is that kind of a bit of a fallacy as well uh no that's entirely correct um so basically the the need for sleep in terms of hours Uh, is genetically defined and also what's genetically defined is the best time for us to fall asleep so we also all have different chronotypes which is the time that we are asleep versus awake and that's why some of us are more morning people and some of us are night people or you know evening people and so uh, that's something that you can sort of adapt to and you can try and sleep less or, or sleep more or sleep at different times but really ultimately this has been genetically defined for you so what's important is to understand what your chronotype is and how many hours of sleep you might need and generally I recommend uh, to look at your sleeping patterns probably not on the weekend because usually it's only a couple of days but when you're on holiday and you don't have any uh, obligations and also when you don't you don't go out every night, for example, you know, and when you are going to sleep, when you feel tired and wake up naturally without an alarm clock and see after a few days how how your body settles. And that's and also how you feel throughout the day, actually. Um, you know, do you feel energetic? Do you feel on top of your game or do you feel like you could you need a nap? You know, you could fall asleep. So these are the things to look out for. It's quite subjective, but measuring your energy level and your ability to concentrate and function during during the day is really the best way to to work out how many hours of sleep you might need. Oh wow, that's really interesting because I like, I always feel like I need less sleep, but it does depend on what else I have going on in my world and there will be months where I'm like I definitely need like longer sleep times. I I'm aware that I'm very fortunate and privileged that with my lifestyle choices like I don't have children and I run my own business so I can typically enjoy my mornings without setting an alarm so I can wake up naturally um but that wasn't always the case and I I also know that I still used to go to bed at the same time and I always used to maybe go to bed at like midnight one o'clock because I'd be like I don't want to go to bed because I don't want to go to my corporate job the next day so you try and like (laughs) push it further away by staying up later and I'd be getting up at six in the morning and just feeling awful whereas now I'm like oh actually no I do need those extra couple of hours of sleep in the morning and I do feel more beneficial for them but sometimes I can wake up earlier and sometimes I can wake up later and it's just yeah it's interesting to see how it fluctuates 
do you recommend sleep trackers as a way to start maybe looking at how how your sleep is conducted throughout the night so sleep trackers are interesting because i think they're they're an indicator and they can be helpful in tracking your sleep but they're not entirely accurate because they're usually based on movement and some other um you know body variables like perhaps uh, body temperature or heart rate but the best way and the only proper way to measure sleep is in the sleep clinic, you know, where you're completely uh, wired up with, uh, with sensors from head to toe. And that's really the, the only way to do it properly. So I think using sleep trackers are helpful and it gives you an idea, but it's not something that you should obsess over and not, uh, you know, become uh, such a fanatic of, of the stats, you know, your sleep stats that you actually can't sleep well, <laughs> becoming yeah. worried about maybe not having enough uh, deep sleep or REM sleep or whichever. Um, they are, uh, you know, useful. And you could just basically look at the, perhaps the average over a certain amount of time, rather than fixating on the detail of the data, because it's not entirely accurate. Interesting. That is interesting because sleep trackers is, is it's something that seems to be every fitness tracker now seems to also include sleep tracking. So I feel like it's something that people are gradually getting more aware of. But it's curious to know like how accurate it would actually be. So yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, it's a good starting point though, you know, in the webinars and workshop which I give and organize. So the starting point really is about self-monitoring and really keeping track of uh, not only the duration of your sleep, but also the quality of your sleep and how you feel during your day and whether you're experiencing frequent awakenings for longer than 10, 15 minutes, for example, because it's, it's quite normal to wake up in the night. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you fall back asleep quite easily. Uh, but self-monitoring and paying attention to how you sleep in the same way you pay attention to how you eat or how you exercise uh, is a great, great way to, to understand uh, your own sleep patterns and make some adjust adjustments, you know, to improve it. Amazing. So one of the things that I'm really curious to ask, and I'm sure that there'll be some of my fellow business friends out there who are like, I love an afternoon nap. I personally can't nap in the afternoon, but I do nap in the evenings. Mm. Um, what is there benefits to napping? Is it something that just happens when we're bored or not paying attention? Is it beneficial for our sleep health to have a nap if we need it? Yeah, the 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 jury's a little bit out on this one, and it depends how good a sleeper you are. If you're a good sleeper and still manage to sleep properly throughout the night and, um, you know, you nap uh, not too long and not too late. So evening naps are generally not recommended because they <laughs> disrupt your circadian rhythm and it confuses your body as to when to sleep. Um, so it's generally not recommended uh, for chronic insomniacs, for example, because it also taps into their their sleep pressure or the sleep drive which is how sleepy you feel so there's an actual uh, substance in your body a neurochemical called adenosine which is released and the you know the more awake we are the sleepier we feel and when you take a nap you basically are disrupting that cycle so that 
you know, the night during the night when it's time to sleep, you will perhaps not sleep as long or as well, or the quality of your sleep may not be as good as a result. And, um, you know, we, we must remember that as human beings, we are diurnal beings, which means that we're supposed to be awake by day, but asleep by night, you know, that's, that's how we were wired, except for some exceptions of, you know, night, extreme night owls who are, uh, designed to be awake at night, which is very few of us really. Um, so napping is is not, uh, it, it's okay in terms of a short-term strategy to catch up on sleep, as long as you don't do it too late or too long. And perhaps, uh, you know, I'd say no longer than 30 or 40 minutes and no later than perhaps three or 4 p.m. ideally. But catching up on sleep in front of your telly, you know, with the evening show is definitely not generally recommended. I am definitely taking note of that. And I'm sure my other half will be thrilled at the fact that we put on a film in the evening. It's like, oh, OK, so we'll give it 10 minutes and then I'll wake up 10 minutes before the end. And if it's a bad film, I'll know what happened. <laughs> and if it's a good film, I probably won't. <laughs> well, it's interesting because it could be that you're you should be going to bed a bit earlier if you feel that tired that you fall asleep, you know, in front of a good movie. It might mean that your chronotype is a little bit earlier than others. Potentially, potentially. Potentially. I would also, yeah, well, this is the other thing that I really wanted to talk about because I'm not going to speak for all of the listeners, but I know I won't be alone out there that I I suffer from certain levels of anxiety. They can be exasperated by certain situations within my business. I'm sure that that's not a shock to anyone out there and others feel the same, particularly when it comes to either I don't know, financial pressures, or you've got a big deadline, or you're contemplating something that's coming up in your business or happening in your business. And it does preoccupy your mind quite Mm -hmm. a lot. And I find that in those heightened states of when my brain is just incredibly busy, I find it very hard to switch it off, which is when my sleep cycle tends to get very bad. So can we talk a little bit around sleep health like for the everyday as well as potentially things that maybe we can start doing that help when we are in those heightened kind of anxiety induced states where we know that we need to get sleep but find it very hard to actually either fall asleep or stay asleep yes well you're definitely not alone um i'd say between 50 and 55 percent of the attendees of you know my webinars and workshops have the exact same issue which is that they may not have a severe medical disorder when it comes to sleep but they are so anxious or depressed uh, because there's also correlation between uh, depression and sleep as well bi-directional so the more uh, the, the less so the the worse your sleep quality is the more depressed you will feel and the more depressed you are you are likely to sleep even less and the same thing with anxiety so I think it's something like 17 times uh, more likely to be anxious if you don't sleep sufficiently so it sort of feeds itself you know so not sleeping enough and those aspects of mental health. It, it was really important for me in my book to approach and propose some solutions and some tips and some ideas on how to address this as naturally as possible. So I have a whole chapter in the book called Taming the Mind, which is about doing exactly what you said, managing obsessive thoughts, managing anxious thoughts, uh, both using some psychological techniques, but also some quite practical, pragmatic Uh, techniques involving body relaxation or distracting the mind. Um, I mean, when, you know, there there are loads of ideas in the book, but the ones that I could mention here 
uh, are starting with breath work, which is great both for body and mind in terms of relaxing uh, and, and also distracting your mind, but relaxing the body as well. So breath work and the specific techniques around inhaling, exhaling and holding the breath in between, which are really good in terms of activating your, your relaxation system, you know, in your, your body and your mind. There are other techniques um, around uh, preparing the mind for sleep and this should be part of your wind down ritual really and thinking about well spending some worry time which is an interesting thing so if you're a worrier then you might want to worry consciously as opposed to letting your mind worry while you are asleep because that process will continue your brain is still awake while you're asleep and so um, <laughs> it's 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 interesting to think that you would worry consciously but also try to decide what you do with these worries you know are there solutions you can find can you plan for the next day and also reassure your mind that you have things in control or if you don't you know what you can do to influence the situation so again some techniques around uh, uh, you know control mechanics or, or understanding what you have control over and what you don't have control over if you're a planner also um great idea to exercise that skill of planning ahead and prioritizing and listing all of your to-dos because the brain wants to, it likes to know what's going to happen and when. And so if you can do that before bedtime, uh, there's less chances of you waking up during the night because you would have done that process of preparing your next day, week or month or quarter ahead, you know. Other than that, obviously, you know, all the techniques around meditation, mindfulness uh, are really useful to, to, to help, you know, sort of put some distance and distancing yourself from a, uh, you know, an anxiety driven situation. And, um, but there are, you know, for those who struggle with meditation, I also recommend, uh, for example, sound therapy. And in the book, again, I have a whole section that dedicated to sounds and sleep and which sounds are inducing sleep. So it's quite interesting to explore that. Uh, or also whether it be guided meditation, especially around visualizing, because for some reason, the brain uh, seems to feel more at peace with images rather than concepts and words. And this has been um, studied and, and revealed through clinical studies, which is I found quite interesting. Um, so any, any visual med meditation would be uh, quite helpful to falling back asleep. What you want to do is either distract your mind or decide what you do with your thoughts, but not don't let them linger and, and you know, just stay there because your brain will continue dealing with them when you're trying to sleep. Interesting. No, that's absolutely fascinating. There's so much good stuff there. And I feel like I've kind of flirted with some of them before, like meditation, something that I've only started kind of delving into recently because I, I never got on with it before, but guided meditation, I have found really helpful for helping me drift off because I, I always thought that I couldn't fall asleep without either reading a book or watching, having noise around me. Um, and actually guided meditations have kind of filled that gap for me that allow me to drift off in a comfortable way and I look for the ones that interestingly reflect what you said where they help you to direct and almost 
um like store away your thoughts for the next day yes yes it, it yes like i said it's really about preparing your mind for sleep but also dealing with the urgent matters or the anxiety driving um issues you know and and really doing something with them that's really important but it, it's good that you you started meditation so there's different types um you know some meditation are not about falling asleep they are about staying completely alert and awake and just more calming down the mind um, there are other meditations that are really about falling asleep where you're allowed to fall asleep so you can explore those I, I think anything that is involving sound and guidance can help people uh, who are extremely anxious and just can't figure out how to to calm down really you know so that could be really useful along with breath work really those two combined can be very very helpful for anxiety Oh, interesting. Thank you. I'll definitely look into breathwork because it's something that I've heard tell of, but I've never really looked into. Like, um, But it is interesting. And one other thing that I'd really like to explore is kind of the environment that we choose to sleep in and the impact that they that might have on your sweet sleep quality. Is there, is there any correlation between kind of where you choose to sleep and kind of how calming your environment in your say your bedroom if that's where you, if that's where you're sleeping mm-hmm. um, in your bedroom is and does that contribute to how our how our quality of sleep is received yes you you hit it on the nail absolutely I think um our ancestors looked for the perfect place to sleep, which had to be a place that would be dark and quiet and also protective, you know, safe, like a cavern, for example. Um, and also a temperature that would be moderate, you know, not too hot, not too, hot, not too cold. Um, and so, of course, we need to reproduce these, these uh, elements, you know, of, of our sleep sanctuary. In my book, again, I dedicated a whole section to what I call the cocoon, you know, which is how it should feel in my mind, you know. Um, so it's anything from looking at uh, the light levels, for it to not be uh, too bright, especially as you start, uh, you go to bed, start dimming down the lights and have a preference for red or orange lights, which is imitating the the sunset. So Himalayan lamps are pretty good for that. Uh, But anything that dims down the light and then you switch them off completely so that it's pitch black in your bedroom, that would be ideal. So using blackout blinds or even masks, you know, if you, if you, an eye mask, if you don't have access to these blackout curtains. Uh, the temperature should be between 16 and 20, 21 degrees, that's Celsius degrees. So in US term, I think it's 60 to 67 Fahrenheit degrees. Also looking at noise, because while we are asleep and all of our senses are completely off or switched off, if you will, our hearing isn't. And that's probably because uh, from ancestral times, this was a way to look out for danger. So if you're hearing anything or any startling noise, we're wired to wake up to deal with the urgent or dangerous situation. So you want to make sure that you are not exposed to loud or sudden unusual noises. That would be something else to look out for. Um, what else? Safety. So making sure you have a, uh, you, you do everything so that you feel safe in your bedroom. You know, maybe it's locking the, the, the door, maybe it's closing the windows. I mean, if you feel safe naturally and you're not a worrier, it should be fine anyway. 
And um, looking at your comfort also, so uh, changing your mattress every seven years and making sure that you have quality bedding, you know, whether it's pillows, mattresses, or, you know, blankets. So really build your little cocoon so that you can fall asleep uh, more easily. And also create a very strong subconscious association between sleep and your bedroom. Um, rather than using your bedroom for activities like exercising or working or, you know, anything that is involved or related to uh, being active during the day. So that's really important. So dedicating your room for, for sleep, your bedroom for sleep and intimacy. That's really interesting as well, because I hadn't really thought about the connection between the activities that we do in bedrooms during the day that may actually impact the way that we perceive the comfort levels or the purpose of the room. Because I've been particularly over the last year where more than ever people are working from home. But I think for anyone who's self-employed, there's always been a significant number of people who would have used space in their bedrooms for um, putting a desk or popping your laptop or working from the soft office as many people call it um, and how that that choice during the day can impact the quality of your sleep at night. That That's particularly true for chronic insomniacs you know if you're a good sleeper it's probably not a huge issue I mean I have uh, I know people who work from their bed you know work from bed uh, and who sleep fine. And if you sleep okay, then it's not a problem. But if you struggle with sleep issues, especially on a long-term chronic basis, you might want to look at that because then, um, you know, the subconscious associations that your brain makes uh, could impact that, you know? And and if, if you live in a studio, say, or you have no choice but to work in your bedroom, there are still ways to divide the, the space, you know? And, and that's sort of creating boundaries between the the space in which you sleep and the space in which you're active. And um, so some people, for example, might at least make up their bed and not sit on their bed, but just sit at a desk, you know, and then just go from bed to desk. The bed is made up. Some people might put room dividers, you know, in, in between the two while they're working, for example. You know, it's important to create some sort of boundaries between, uh, between your sleep and your activity if you struggle with long-term sleep issues. Yeah, that's interesting. Boundaries are important for everything I'm learning. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, absolutely. So I'm really curious to explore as well. Is there anything else during the day that we can do because that can help prepare us for improved sweet sleep quality at night? I know that caffeine is probably one that we should probably touch on because business owners seem to be chronic caffeine consumers alongside things like that is there anything else that you can recommend that are more like uh I don't know how to phrase it like habits when you're awake that can help your habits when you're asleep I mean again you're hitting it on the nail once again because sleeping well is not about what happens while you're sleeping or during the night it's all about the choices you make during the day and they're all around your your lifestyle and the conditions you create around yourself to prepare yourself for a good night's sleep um, so lifestyle. So looking, of course, at nutrition and uh, things like avoiding staying away or limiting stimulants like caffeine or alcohol. It takes 
five to six hours for the body to metabolize uh, a cup of coffee, you know, with just a regular cup of coffee or a glass of wine. So if you start drinking in the evening uh, a lot, especially, uh, or, you know, even too close to bedtime, your sleep quality will be impacted and you won't feel as refreshed the next day. That's just a fact, you know, however you want to look at it. Now, of course, a glass of wine or beer might help you fall asleep quicker, uh, because it has sedative properties, but it will impact the quality of your sleep. Same thing with caffeine, but for different reasons. Um, this has to do with a sort of, even though it doesn't have adrenaline, but adrenaline type and stimulating effect that it has on you, uh, which, uh, which is just completely counterintuitive when it comes to relaxing the body and the mind. So definitely something that you should look out for. Sugar as well and managing your blood sugar level. So I think when it comes to nutrition, in my book, I have a whole section dedicated to, uh, to I think I, I call it feeding sleep, which uh, tells you all the ingredients and foods that you can eat that are helpful for sleep uh, because some, some foods actually have... Uh, an amino acid called tryptophan, which is uh, very helpful, well, more than helpful, essential in producing serotonin, which is a happy hormone, which we all love, but also serotonin transforms into melatonin, which is a sleep hormone. And so with enough exposure to daylight and eating the certain, certain foods, we can produce our own melatonin and sleep better and longer. So um, again, I refer back to the book for the list of the foods. Generally speaking, though, if you eat healthily, it should be fine, you know, as long as you have a balanced meal, everything you know about, you know, in terms of your, your vegetables and your protein and not and staying away from sugar as much as possible. Managing your blood sugar levels is also essential because if you uh, eat a lot of sugary, food, sugary foods, uh, too frequently, you will create spikes in cortisol hormone, which is the stress hormone, which uh, unfortunately will accumulate over the day and again affect the quality of your sleep throughout the night. So again, choices you can make. Uh, I'd say the most important uh, tip or idea around improving your sleep uh, by doing something good for yourself during the day, though, is uh, going outdoors. So the more time you spend outside in the natural daylight, whether it's sunny or if it is raining or even if it is cloudy, um, will be just the best choice you can make for yourself to support your, your a good night's sleep. Oh, amazing. That's incredible. Is it, is it just the being in the sunshine? Is it the vitamins? What is it about being yeah, outdoors? Yes, so a, a, co a combination, because even if it's not sunny, you know, and there is no sunshine, the exposure to light, first of all, signals to your brain, it is daytime. And that's the time that I'm supposed to be active. It suppresses melatonin, so you'll feel uh, more energetic, but it also helps you produce more melatonin with the, the foods that I've just described, you know, the, the, the healthy tryptophan rich foods, which helps produce uh, melatonin ultimately. And that process uh, takes place by being active outdoors. And it also helps regulate your circadian rhythm and your body clock, which is when you fall asleep and when you wake up. So it creates regularity and it really supports all the right uh, physiological and bio biological activity to help you sleep better at night. I mean, I, I can tell you from my own experience that if I spend, you know, say two or three hours outdoors, I'll probably sleep at least an hour more and I will feel more refreshed 
the next day. Now, it might not be always possible to do that, but at least 30 minutes to an hour every day, go for a walk or exercise, you know, even if you, you don't run, um, but you might go for, you know, a, a walk or, or bike or do something, <laughs> go do your shopping, do something and go outdoors um, and expose yourself to natural daylight. Doesn't have to be sunlight as long as it, it is daylight. Okay, interesting. And another thing that you touched on there that I'd love to ask about as well is um, exercise, because we all know that exercise and movement is important when it comes to having overall good health. But when it comes to helping your sleep health, is there like an optimum time of day to be like incorporating your exercise? Because again, whilst we're on the topic of kind of hormones and chemicals that the body naturally creates and releases, is there an optimal time when exercise is going to give you like have the most benefits for that night's sleep? Yes, again, it will depend if you are a good sleeper or not. You know, if you're a good sleeper, um, you can pretty much exercise whenever you'd like. But if you struggle with sleep, it's generally not recommended to sleep too close to bedtime. So at least something like anywhere from two to four hours uh, before bedtime, you should avoid any intense uh, exercise or physical activity, um, like preparing for a triathlon, for example. <laughs> you know, sure, yeah, thing. you know, that's what I do two hours before I go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then replace them by uh, gentle exercise, which is another chapter in the book where I basically talk about the type of exercise you can do in the evening, whether it be Pilates or or other types of you know, slower movements, more gentle movements um, that, can, that can help you with your wind down routine. If you can only exercise at night, um, it's better that you exercise than not at all. But what you must make sure is to have a wind down period, you know, where you allow your body temperature to cool down and really for uh, as much relaxation as possible, whether it's through stretching or taking a, a hot shower, th you know, this will help prepare your body for, for sleep if you really have to. But, you know, if you can avoid intense exercise before bedtime. Okay, cool. And when it comes to actually setting alarms and breaking your sleep, so something that has, I'm going to refer back to my fitness tracker that I wear on my wrist every day. It now has this thing called like a smart alarm where I can say, okay, I want to get up by like half eight if I've got a meeting at whatever time, nine, and it will wake me up apparently at the optimum time within the space of like a half an hour gap that I know that setting an alarm can either make me feel really refreshed or can make me feel really drowsy. So is there is there kind of an, an or I just snooze it until I get <laughs> out of bed. <laughs> but is there an optimal way that you can incorporate an alarm into your day if you need to get up at a, at a specific time and maybe, you know, I mean, if you're if you're the type of person like me who doesn't really know what kind of sleep they're going to have that night. Is there anything you can do to kind of prepare for waking up? <laughs> yes, I mean, first of all, if you get sufficient sleep by going to bed, uh, you know, at regular times and waking up at regular times, your body will naturally prepare to wake you up at those times and where it won't be difficult and you may, you should not need uh, an alarm clock. So I think these smart alarms uh, basically look at your sleep cycles, understanding that we go from light sleep to deep sleep and also REM sleep, which is when we're still asleep, but this is the dream stage and our brain is active almost as if we are awake. 
Therefore, waking you up at a time where you are either in REM sleep or in light sleep, and I suspect that the smart alarm would look at what stage sleep you are to work out when to wake you up so that you're not in a deep sleep stage. Because when you are in deep sleep stage, you will feel very groggy. You know, if someone, if an alarm wakes you up, if someone wakes you up, therefore, um, you know, it's not necessarily that it's the best time to wake you up, but it's the time where you'll feel more uh, alert and awake, if you will, because you'll be in the lighter stages of sleep. So I'm trying to remember what your question was, and I'm not sure if I answered it. Oh, yeah, no, it was fine. I was just wondering if there was a way. So for example, I don't tend to wake up with an alarm very often, because I don't have the need to anymore. But occasionally, I'll have a um, like a change in my routine where maybe one day I need to wake up earlier or something like that. And I find it really hard to go to bed earlier and still fall asleep if I'm in a like a nice routine with it. So it was just more the question of if I'm changing my waking if you're changing up habit. Your waking up time. <laughs> got it, got it. Yeah. So one tip might be to use light, uh, because light, natural daylight, as I mentioned before or bright lights, um, you know, which are something like at least five thousand, two and a half to 5,000 lux, which is a unit of luminosity. You can see that, you know, on the box, whether it's bright enough. Uh, if you ex expose yourself to bright lights, you will wake up more easily because automatically all of your physiological systems will conspire you to feel more awake and, uh, and alert. So, uh, so, the best thing would be for you to go outdoors as soon as you wake up, if you can. <laughs> so, you know, go for a walk or go for a run or bike ride uh, outdoors in natural daylight as early as possible. And you'll feel a bit more refreshed. If uh, The other thing is that if you struggle to fall asleep in the evening earlier than usual, you might try some of these techniques that I mentioned or, you know, sounds and sound therapy, as I mentioned, breath works. Uh, and and some sleep meditation as well because that might help the wind down process and will help you fall asleep a little bit faster breath work in particular would be really useful for that so in other words try to fall asleep earlier by using some mind and relaxation techniques and use light in the morning by going outdoors to you know help you perk up as bit earlier than usual it does sound lovely getting up and going straight outside as well I mean I just had visions of floodlights coming on in my bedroom and my other half just being like what's <laughs> happening it's like sorry I've got a meeting farewell <laughs> um <laughs> that sounds much kinder like getting up getting dressed and going outside so yeah, or, or if you have a balcony or you know you might sit on the balcony for example for you or get your you know little cup of or orange juice, or whatever you have in the morning, and just sit outside, or open the window and lean over, and you know, just look outdoors, and and yeah, yeah. that that should help a lot. Amazing. I think my last question that I have for you, I feel like this has been very much a me asking you questions <laughs> totally because I just find it fascinating. Um, so. I'm a big tea drinker. I love my tea. I'm I don't mind herbal teas as well as caffeine. It's not all the it's not all about the caffeine, guys. But <laughs> um, there are various varieties and more and more brands coming out with like sleep time teas and wind down drinks and things like that. And I'm just curious to get your take on whether they're actually helpful. Does it help to have like a hot drink before you go to bed? Is that something that helps? Considering that you were talking about 
lowering your body temperature I'm I'm just curious whether having a hot cup of tea before you go to bed is actually counterintuitive to what we're trying to achieve um okay a few answers to that first of all you should not drink too close to bedtime because you will undoubtedly have to wake up in the middle of the night to run to the toilet so generally you want to have your last liquids about an hour and a half to two hours before bedtime so that, that's the first thing. So if you have your cup, uh, not right before bed, right? Um, <laughs> then yes, uh, I, I believe, and I know from my own experience, but also working for, uh, working with herbalists and aromatherapists that herbal remedies can be very useful to, you know, calm down anxieties and, and help uh, supporting whether it be depression or supporting sleep in general. In fact, I dedicated a whole section in my book uh, called Healing Plants and Aromatherapy, where I list all the different uh, herbs that you can turn to, whether it is having them as teas or perhaps as liquid drops, you know, in a bit of water, or with when it comes to aromatherapy and essential oils, uh, diluting them in a bit of water, and uh, using them in an oil diffuser, for example, or, you know, in, in sort of massage therapy. And uh, they work for a lot of people. Now, if you have um, a really serious chronic sleep disorder, it might not, right? Like it might be something that you want to give a shot and try and see if it might work for you. Um, but there's, there's a long list of both uh, Western herbal remedies and also Eastern, so from sort of India and China, which um, are recommended and can, can help you sleep better. So when it comes to tea, don't drink it too late and definitely stay away from caffeinated tea. So black teas, but even decaf tea has a level of caffeine. So it is better that you turn to things like uh, valerian, for example. Chamomile works for some, but sometimes it's not strong enough for, for other people. So, uh, you know, valerian, lavender, chamomile, like the, these teas uh, could be helpful in helping you fall asleep, but not necessarily stay asleep. So it won't, So if you're a very anxious person, for example, or you, or you exercised a lot, you know, in the evening, or you've eaten the wrong things during the day, or you didn't get enough daylight, it might help you fall asleep, but not necessarily help you stay asleep, you know, uh, as a result. So I think it's, it's all about a combination of choices and solutions and, and tips and, you know, that, that you make during your day that will make a difference. It won't necessarily be one thing or another. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's kind of any approach to health, isn't it? It's you need to try lots of little changes and adjustments and adapting, but being flexible to listen to what your body actually needs rather than what you think will help and just finding your own routine and rhythm that works for you. But all of these have been really, really helpful tips because I think that so often like with any aspect of health there's so many so many opinions so many gurus so many shoulds shouldn'ts so many generational pieces of advice that have been handed down as well um that sometimes it can feel a little bit overwhelming on where to start so it's nice to have a good look yes and I think it's true you know because there are there are many um schools of thoughts and just different solutions I think that's why I wanted to do this guide I almost did this guide for myself you know because uh starting as a someone who struggled with sleep you know at first I realized how important it was but then I started exploring a lot of options 
So this is why it was important for me to put a guide of all the natural or non-medicated options, you know, so bar using sleeping pills, what else could you do? And I think it's very much about following your own intuition and following your, your nature, you know, your, your personality type, your, your preferences, you know, your lifestyle and, and picking the, the things that might work for you and trying, you know, so experimenting. So first monitoring, then experimenting. And then once we found something that works, committing to it and, uh, but also being flexible enough that if something does not work to try and explore something else um, and, and include this into, into our, our ritual, if you will, you know, looking after ourselves is also looking after our sleep. So there are, there are many, many options in the guide. I try to make it a bit like magazine style in a way. So it's quite uh, easy to go through and sort of uh, look at all the different options on offer and, and pick the ones that are right for you. You know, and, and that was really important because it can feel overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that's kind of the point where I've gotten to in the past and I know friends, family members and others have all, you kind of feel like there's so much advice out there and you don't know where to start. And we're already worn out from decision fatigue, from everything else that we've got going on during the day that we just kind of put it to the end of the list, which is why I'm so, I'm so glad that you came on and shared all this information because I feel like it as business owners, we need to be looking after ourselves because especially if you're the only one in your business, like you need to be making sure that you're making time for you, not just from a mental health perspective, but from looking after the physical body that you're in as well. Because if that has a has an issue or conks out or you're not getting enough sleep or you're not setting yourself up for the day well enough, then that absolutely has a direct impact on how your business could go that day. Yes. Um, so there's been studies also done on the impact uh, of poor sleep on productivity and happiness at work and performance, you know, brain performance, work performance, decision making, strategy making, mental health. I mean, it's an absolute, uh, this could be a whole other conversation, to be honest, about how sleep impacts us at work and uh, prevents us from giving a, uh, our best selves and our best work. Um, so, you're right. It, it is important to prioritize it so that we can run businesses or, you know, manage people's or even just managing our lives, you know, and have better relationships with people as well, you know, because our sociability and our ability to work and collaborate with others will be severely impacted with a poor night's sleep. And um, even just by you know, calling in sick because we don't feel well enough to go to work, you know, as a starting point. But uh, I agree with you. It's, it's, it's uh, essential uh, as, as business people or, or just uh, to support our work life. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that. And that is integral, isn't it? I mean, it's all about that work-life blend. It's making sure that the choices that we're making are benefiting us both as business owners and as individuals, because the lines are so blurred when you're self-employed that it's you need to find you need to find a way of incorporating all of it really that still doesn't I'll bring you back sorry I'll bring you back to the concept of boundaries when it comes to that um yeah and I talked about boundaries around space so the fact that you'd make sure that you keep your your 
bed zone, your sleep zone, separate from your work zone, for example. So that's how you manage your space. You need to think about your boundaries when it comes to times as well, you know, so a time for everything during, during the day. So obviously it does require some planning and organization, um, but a time to wind down and a time to wind up you know, to wake up and, and keeping regular timing as well. So the regularity of your activities, especially around your sleep, is essential to support you. It's um, fortunate or not, uh, but the body and the brain like routine and it likes to know what's going to happen and when. And so the more you can feed into that regularity, the, the better results you'll get when it comes to, to your sleep quality and duration, you know. And then the other boundaries is all the boundaries we talked around lifestyle and, you know, whether it's your nutrition, your exercise, your exposure to daylight. Um, these, these are also important boundaries to pay attention to. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I'd love to circle just and wrap this up really kind of with what we were saying right at the beginning, that if you if you're spending a third of your life asleep, like make it good, make it mm -hmm. good sleep. <laughs> I agree 100%. Prioritize it. You know, I think that's where it starts, making it a priority and understanding how important it is and that actually it will support your life and yourself, uh, your work, and you'll be better at everything, you know, whether it's in your personal life or, in your, or your professional life. So uh, it, it's the foundation of, of physical and mental health. Wow. So powerful. Definitely deserves a little bit more attention than I think a lot of us give it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So from everything that we've talked around today, um, and if the listeners wanted to go away straight away after listening to this episode, Julie, and go, right, I want to do one thing that's going to help me sleep better tonight. What would you recommend would be that one thing that they go and do now? Um, that's a tough one, right? Because I've gone through, <laughs> through a lot. I mean, my number one is always spending time outdoors. C can you commit to spending time in natural daylight at least an hour? And if you count two to three uh, by either work on a terrace, it's summer soon. So, you know, expose yourself to as much daylight as you can during the day. And uh, if you exercise, try to exercise outdoors as well. You know, that's probably the the the, the first, you know, the go-to um if I had one thing <laughs> that I'd want yeah I get it it's a hard question because it's boiling everything down but equally I think that sometimes it's really important just to again talking about decision fatigue it's and choice paralysis it's really it's really helpful if you're given that first step that's and I think I think one that goes along with it though is around the regularity which we talked about so waking up at the same time, no matter how late you go to bed, will support your sleep, even weekends. So if you can do these two things, go outdoors and set, you know, make sure you wake up at the same time every day and ideally go to bed at the same time every day. You'll see that your 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 body clock will conspire you to for you to uh, to fall asleep and wake up at the times, um, you know, that are ideal for you. Yeah, I'd say those two things as a starting point, because then you're following the light-dark cycle, which is what we're wired to follow in terms of being asleep and being active. So you're going back to nature, in other words, your natural cycles. Um, and then the third thing might be, uh, if you are interested in natural options, of course, I have to plug in my, my book. So, uh, you know, the natural sleeper is one way to, to go about that and to help simplify your options, if you will. I have in the book uh, a, a couple of ways to help you choose what could work for you, depending on 
your personality type and your preferences. So I've sort of mapped this out on a constellation of options and it'll make more sense if you have the book in front of you, but, um, and trying to pick maybe one, one option, one therapy, one tip, one solution that might be right for you. Yes, yeah, so I'd say in that order and, um, and think about boundaries also, you know, and about, and applying that to sleep. Absolutely. Um, what we'll do is we'll wrap it up there. I will absolutely put the link to your book in the show notes. But where else can the listeners find more about you online, Julie? So the handle at We Sleep UK. So that's We Sleep UK, all in one word. And this is on social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, the website is wesleep.co.uk. And if you want to find out more about the book, it is thenaturalsleeper.com. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing all of this wealth of advice and information. I found it absolutely fascinating. Thank you for having me. It's been, uh, again, an absolute pleasure to talk to you. It's been great because it's been a, a real conversation um, between us and, and sort of connecting, you know, what you need for a good night's sleep, but also putting this in, in real terms and real practical terms, you know, in terms of yes. what that means in our daily life. Yeah. I, I'm big on the practical side because it's all well and good to know in theory that like, I know in theory that sleep is important, but I also know that I stay up playing video games until five <laughs> o'clock in the morning at weekends. Like it's, it's balanced, but it's it is nice to have those practical steps that you can start taking and then as you were saying earlier when you feel anxious and that impacts how poorly you sleep and then it exasperates the anxiety hopefully what we can start doing is seeing a shift in the opposite direction so you start doing one thing that improves your sleep quality which then inspires you to do more because your sleep's getting better so yeah hopefully we can just kind of reverse that spiral and start having the nation sleeping much better and much more comfy in their little fluff tortilla cocoons (laughs) I love I love that image yes (laughs) (laughs) you have more control over your sleep than you could imagine amazing so listeners be sure to come back here on thursday because julie will be sharing more about her business journey so definitely come back and listen to her brand story episode and until then i'd really love to know how you feel and how you found today's episode and if it's inspired you to take single action or many actions into improving your quality of sleep and the impact that that has had on your day so come and join our conversations in the community online the links are all in the show notes we're on instagram facebook and clubhouse and as always i will see you in the brand lounge